click. Okay, so this week I'm so excited that, I don't know, you guys reminded me, Hashem reminded me that this topic is like our perfect segue from Sukkot to Zimra to Pesach. Well, I'm so happy because now I can add to the Seder. Oh, <laughs> this is something that nobody, I mean, it's not true that nobody should know it. I mean, everyone should know it, but somehow they don't. Good morning. So, we have been talking about the purpose, the, the avoda of Psuke de Zimra as a process of seeing Hashem's hand guiding everything in the world. Human events, movements of nations, war, peace, treaties, climate, culture, all the large movements in the world, all of this is Hashem's hand. And seeing in that, that Hashem is guiding everything in the world toward His purpose and His will and rejoicing in that and praising him for it. Okay, so it's a process of, of step, step, step to get to that, which is why we culminate with Az Yashir. Az Yashir as crossing the sea, seeing that everything that had happened to us, getting out of Mitzrayim, then the, being chased again, right, just when we thought we were safe, and then they come again, and then we're trapped, all of it was leading to a purpose. Not only that, Realizing that our whole shibud had a purpose. It wasn't just, and, and we don't have time to really get this topic today, but the purpose of Geula is not just to relieve us of the suffering of Golos. Just like the purpose of Golos is not only that we should suffer. That's like almost the superficial part, so to speak. Not so superficial, because <clears throat> we're very moved and touched by both suffering and relief from suffering. Okay, but those aren't the whole purpose of them. The purpose of Gullus is not that we should suffer. The purpose of Geula is not that we should have relief. That's not the purpose. Each of those has a deeper purpose. All right. When we crossed the Yamsuf, we realized all this had a purpose. And not only that, we, could, we were grateful even for having been slaves in Egypt. That's the feeling of Shira, right? We see each Egyptian being drowned and punished exactly in accordance to his wickedness. The ones who weren't so wicked didn't suffer so much, right? Each one perfectly in accordance, and then we realized Hashem is controlling everything, and we rejoice in that, and that culminates in Hashem yim loch le'olam va'ed. Hashem shall rule forever and ever, right? And I didn't understand how everything fit together, so I couldn't choose His will. But when I realized that everything all along was really for the ultimate good and for my own ultimate good, then I rejoice in everything that has happened to me, and I say, Hashem, I want you make, I want you calling the shots for me in the future, because I don't right. That's hamlacha. That's kabbalas malchus shemaim beratzon, willingly taking on malchus shemaim. Okay, that's psuke de zimra. And then we have a challenge because when it comes, let's say I'm saying psuke de zimra, but meantime I've been also hearing the news and I've been reading newspapers. Not that I would recommend these things, right? Or getting email news summaries. And there's so many horrible things going on, and so much suffering and wars and cruelty, right? So in those things, I don't see that in the end we cross the Red Sea. So there's this sort of, on the one hand, there's Tzadik Viralo, Rasha Vitovlo. It looks like bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. And, and I'm grappling with that. And how do I? How do I apply the process of Psuke de Zimra to my heart, right? It's not just a historical remembering that God created the world and got us through to the Yamsuf. It doesn't, like, stop there. 
It's supposed to be an avoda that's coming into my heart so that I'm feeling these things. So how do I apply that into the things I'm seeing and experiencing in my own life? And I want to use as the example of this the story of the B'nai Ephraim. Because, and there's, I don't think there's tons known about the B'nai Ephraim, and even this much to me was a huge revelation about a year ago, I guess, or two years ago, whenever I first saw this, I was like, how come I never knew this? You come across the hints to it, and you never see it. So let's take a look. Parshas Bishalach starts with, Vayhi Bishalach Paro Es Ha'am. By the way, I think it's probably not a coincidence that the B'nai Ephraim are indicated where at the beginning of the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. Bashalach is the story, right? That's what it opens with, is, is Yamsuf. That's what it is. So we have the, we're leading into the Shira of the Yamsuf, and the lead into this is this. It was when Paro sent away the nation, and the Lord did not lead them by way of the land of the Plishtim, although it was close by, Ki Amar Elohim, because God said, Pen Yinochim Ha'am, perhaps the nation will, will wish to turn back. They'll, they'll, they'll regret coming. Bir Osam Melchama, when they see war. Vishavu Mitzrayma, and they will return back to Egypt. Vayasev Elohim es Ha'am Derech Amidbar Yamsuf, and the Lord led the nation by way of the desert, by the way of Yamsuf, the Hamushim Alu Bnei Yisrael Eretz Mitzrayim, and they left the land of Egypt armed. Okay, now that's always a little puzzling, right? Like he didn't take them by the way. Now you've probably heard an answer to that, right? I don't know. Okay, so here's here's what the Medrash Rabbah says, and and this is something that people have heard sometimes. Some people have never heard it. Some people have heard it, but it's still hard to know what to do with it. Okay. This is number two, base. There's, looks like there's no two, but there's a base. Why? Why did Hashem lead them, not lead them by, the, by means of the land of Plishtim? So I don't know, can you picture where the land of Plishtim is? It's roughly where Aza. Do you know where Aza is? Okay, so the Gaza Strip, if you picture Israel. Okay, right here, I'll draw a little. I'll draw a picture here. All right, okay, so we have, we have here... This is the Mediterranean. And here we have sort of roughly the Israel that we know. Red Sea, Israel, Egypt, Sinai, desert, Aza. Sorry, no glasses. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they're here or wherever they are in Egypt. I'm not sure exactly where Goshen is, probably a little farther south. Okay, so the fastest way to Israel would have been to go here, and you can go right up the coast and into Israel. This is the land of the Plishtim. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hashem did not lead them by way of the land of Plishtim. Instead, he's going to take us here, like this way, mm-hmm. toward the Red Sea. This is not the most direct route to getting here. Right. I mean, you could take this without the map also. Like, it also works, but... But it helps if you kind of have a concept. Like, instead of going from here to here, they're going to go from here to here. Mm -hmm. Okay, and ultimately, we're going to kind of go like this and come back around, which is really not the shortest route. Okay, that's 40 years later. Okay. So why did he do that? Ella? Shata'u shifto shel Ephraim. What happened? The tribe of Ephraim made an error. Ta'u. They made a mistake. 
ויצאו ממצרים עד שלא שילם הקץ. And they left Egypt before the time was complete. Mm-hmm. And there were killed from the children of Ephraim, Lamid Rebo, 30,000. That's 300,000 Jews. It's not even just a massacre, it's a holocaust. Mm-hmm. 300,000 of the children of Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, they, they calculated... Well, here, Lama Nehergu, why did they get killed? Shechashvu, they calculated. Miyom shenedaber Avraham ben Habasarim. From the day that Avraham was spoken to at the covenant of the, of the cut parts. So Hashem said to Avraham, your children will be slaves and strangers in a land that is not theirs for 400 years. And they said, when does the 400 years count? From the moment that Avraham heard it. We've actually all heard that Devar Torah. Right? Well, it's not 400 years. They were only 210 years. But it was 400 years from when Hashem told Avraham that your children will be strangers. Because already at that moment, he doesn't feel perfectly settled. He knows they're already strangers. Okay. But then how could they just leave Mitzrayim? Vita'u, yeah. Vita'u la They miscalculated 30 years. But Parah didn't let them out before Parah they let wasn't them letting out. them go. Exactly. Oh. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> the Hayu, okay. And they, they, they made an error of 30 years. So they left while Moses was still living in Midian. The Hayu Atzmosehem and their bones, Shtuchim Baderach, were covering the way, Chamarim Chamarim, heaped into piles. Shekvar Hayalahem Lamashanah Shiyatsu, because it had been 30 years since they had left, and the bodies were left out to rot, they weren't buried, okay? And so they were just a pot, they were mountains of bones. It had been 30 years until the time when their brethren left Egypt. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Hashem said, I'm sorry, like, it's upsetting to read, right? Hashem said, If the Jewish people are going to see the bones of the children of Ephraim scattering, carpeting the path, they're going to go back to Egypt. What is this compared to? Let's not get too sunk in the mashal, because I don't have a perfect answer on the mashal. But here's the mashal. Lamela, you know it's a great mashal. The question is, what do we have to learn from it? And it's a little off of our thing, but it makes a certain point that we can take. To a king, Shinasa Isha, who married a woman, so he, of course, you get married where the woman lives, so he went to wherever she came from to marry her, some other country, and now he's going to bring her back to his country. Um... And while they're on the way back, just as they were reaching his country where they're going to live, the wife died. So he just got married, and this woman dies on the way. Kavara, he buried her al Pesach Medina. So he buried her at like the entrance, you know, like the gateway to his state. Then he went back, and he married her sister. Amar HaMelech, the king said, I better take her around the long way. Because if I bring her in and she passes by the grave of her sister, she's going to freak out. She's going to want to go back. So what did he do? He brought her around the back way, like a longer route to get there. That's what Hashem said. Let me take them a long way around. In order that they not see the bones of their brothers scattered all over the road, and they'll go back to Egypt. So what did God do? 
He took the blood of the children of Ephraim, the Tavobo Kelav, and he dipped his instruments into it, I guess his war tools, so to speak, Kiviyachol, as if. And he said, Eno, Eni misnachem, I refuse to be comforted. Until I am avenged for the blood of the children of Ephraim, as it says, God did not lead them, which also could be, God was not comforted about them. Okay. And there's like 30,000, you said 300,000 people. So their bones were just everywhere? Yeah, I mean, eventually eventually it was covered up by dirt. Right. But at that time, no. Okay. Sorry, it's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. It's really, really disturbing. So this is the that was not what was going on in Egypt and what was going on to the Bnei Ephraim. They calculated it was time to go. And this is hard. It's hard It's hard to hear. Meaning, I could understand why so many people don't know this. First of all, Rashi doesn't actually bring this explanation over here, even though the Medrash says it. I had heard it. But I could understand why teachers don't teach it. Because what, what are you supposed to take from such a thing? And it's a horrible thing to think why about. And it's even... Back? Why didn't they go yeah, back? Like they started seeing because they were dead. They died so suddenly. They died very suddenly. Oh, so what happened okay. was, I actually, some of the dot, dot, dot that I took out was because there's a lot of verses that are brought, and it makes it hard to read in the Shmos Rabbah. What happened was, they calculated that it was time for the Geula to happen, and they said to themselves, perhaps we have to take steps to make that happen. God helps those who help themselves, and, and maybe if it's time for us to leave Mitzrayim and nothing's happening, maybe it's because Hashem wants us to show we want to leave Mitzrayim. Look, Bnei Ephraim are descended from Yosef. Yosef is notorious for loving the land of Israel. It's one of the things. The daughters of Tzlafchad are descended from Yosef, and it's brought all the way back up to Menashe and Yosef, their yichus, right in the Torah, to show us that they got that love of Eretz Yisrael from their grandfather Yosef. So they loved, you know, why shouldn't the Bnei Ephraim have also had that kind of passionate attachment? And they said it was time to go, and they were able to rouse, like most of the tribe of Ephraim, left. Now, as Gila said, how did they leave? Mitzrayim was like the ultimate Alcatraz, right? The dogs were at the gates and the lions and pant, like they, you couldn't get out of there, which means that they had unbelievable siyata dishmaya to get out. I don't know how they got out. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to sneak out of a high security prison. And somehow they were able to rebel and get out of Egypt and they ran for it and they weren't caught by the Egyptians, which means they must have felt you see, Hashem really is helping us, right? And they really seem to have meant well. Like, what? they meant well. There's nothing bad about that, is there? Like, what, what's wrong with this? And they come up by way of the land of Plishtim, and the Plishtim see that there's, like, all these people coming. And they went out, and they fought with them, and they slaughtered them. Mm. And that was the end of them. This is 30 years before Moshe Rabbeinu was told to go and save the Jewish people. Yeah. Okay. So this is the kind of situation where we look at Psuke de Zimra and we say, how do I sing about this? Where, like, you know, there's some piece of us that says, okay, maybe they were wrong to leave. Maybe it wasn't time to leave. It says the time wasn't ready. But, but then why... I mean, okay, and maybe because they wanted to go so badly, Hashem let them go. Hashem generally, you know, like lets people choose the way they want to go. And 
but we don't see anything like a sin here. Right. Like why, if they meant well, if they were basically good people, right? I mean, we don't see that the other Jews were so inspired. Like maybe this is a sign of, of higher inspiration in a way, right? That they were able to think about what serving God and going, like what, also, why should so, they all so die? They up, so, okay. so they messed up, exactly. Right. So that's it. Okay, so we've, we already know that we can't just say, well, because they died, like it's, all, it's not the ultimate catastrophe. We do know that because ultimately we all die. We just don't know when the time will be. So the fact that someone dies doesn't by itself mean they're bad. It's hard for us to take that. Like we, we are raised on sort of the happily ever after is that the person is saved at the end of a story. And a tragic end is that the person dies at the end of the story. But really this world is never the end of the story. That's piece number one. And we always have to remember that even though, but that leads us to a Baruch Dianemis. It doesn't lead us to rejoicing and singing over what happened. Okay, but now I want to show you that the way that we're thinking is the way that it would have been seen for almost a thousand years. Something between 900 and a thousand years. I didn't make an absolute calculation, but if you figure they left 30 years early, and then there's another 40 years in the desert. So 70 years, right? And then there's another like 14 years. There's like a roughly 400 years roughly of the time of the, the Shoftim, and another 410 years, the time of the first base on Mikdash. So we're talking about 900 years-ish, okay? And then somewhere during Golos Bavel, okay? So what has happened? The Jews have left Egypt. We've crossed the Red Sea. We've received the Torah. We've wandered 40 years in the desert. We've conquered the land of Israel under Yahushua and divided it up. Everyone has taken their land and started to build out their homesteads. Um, we've, had, we've had Shimshon and all the other the other Shoftim and Devorah and Ehud and all of them. And then we have Shmuel Hanavi comes along and he anoints Shaul and Shaul kills the Amalekim and then David Hamelech. And after David, Shlomo and Shlomo builds a base Hamikdash. And after Shlomo, generations and generations and generations of kings, right? Until finally the Bavlam come and they destroy the base Hamikdash and they take everyone out into Gullus. And there we are in Gullus. So we're roughly sitting where we were a couple weeks ago, Purim time. Roughly. Okay? So now, give or take 10 years of poor, okay? This is a long, 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 long time later. Here's what happens. This is number three. Haisa Ola Yad Hashem. Seems weird to read out of Yechezkel. Let me tell you something. Haisa Ola Yad Hashem. The prophet Yechezkel, who was a prophet at the end of the first temple and in the Gullus in Bavel. The hand of God came upon me, and the Lord carried me away with his spirit. And he set me down within a valley. And the valley was full of bones. This one you've heard of, right? And he passed me all around to see all these bones, and there were very many, all over the face of this valley, and they were exceedingly dry. These, right, you've heard about this, the dry bones of Yechezkel. Okay. Americans have heard of it because the black gospel has a song about the dry bones of Yechezkel, so everyone knows about it. <laughs> they were very dry. Why were the bones very dry? They're a thousand years. Old. Vayomer Eli, and God said to me, Ben Adam, Hasichieno ha'atzamos ha'ele? 
You son of man, do you think these bones will live? Va'omer, and I said, Hashem lo yadata. Hashem, you know. Va'yomer Eli, and Hashem said, Have a prophecy over these bones. And speak to them. Speak to these dry bones. Shimudvar Hashem, and tell them to listen to the word of God. Ko amar Hashem elokim. So says Hashem Elokim. I see these are Shemus. Despite my efforts, I missed one. Laatzamos ha'ela to these bones. Kine ani mevi vochem ruach vichisem. Behold, I shall bring within you a new spirit, and you will live. Venosati alechem gidim. I will place upon you sinews, like muscles, will grow back on the bones. Vehaalesi alechem basar, and I will raise up flesh on you. The karamti alechem or, and I will spread out skin over you. The nasasi bochem ruach, and I will place in you spirit vichisem, and you will live. Viyadatem, and you will know kiani Hashem that I am God. Venibesi. So I prophesied kasher tsuvesi as I was commanded. Vayhi kol kehinav i, and there was a sound. When I made this nevuah, v'hine rash, it was a, a very big noise. V'tik there was a clattering of all the bones coming together, one bone attaching to the next. V'ra'isi, and I saw v'hine alehem gidim, they were growing muscles upon them. Uvasar, I don't, I don't know if we're really meant to read Yecheskel out loud. I don't know. Uvasar Allah, and flesh came up. Vayikram alehem or and. Skin spread over them, milamala from above, viruach einbahem, but they weren't alive. Vayomer Eli, and Hashem said to me, Hinove el haruach, now prophecy for the ruach, for the spirit to animate them. Hinove ven adam, prophesize, son of man, veomarta, there's a missing space there, and you should speak el haruach, ko amar Hashem elokim, tell the spirit that so says Hashem the Lord, may arba runchos boi, Come from all four corners of the land, the ruach ufechi baharugim ha'ele vichyu, and you should inflate, you should blow into these dead corpses, harugim are the ones who were killed, these murdered bodies, vichyu, and they should live. Vehinabesi, and so I prophesied kasher tzivoni as God commanded me, batovo vahem haruach, and spirit blew into them, vayichyu, and they lived. Vayamdu al raglehem, they stood up on their feet. Chayel Godol Me'od Me'od, an enormously large troops, a host of people, very, very large. Vayomer Eli, and God said to me, Ben Adam Ha'atzamos Ha'ele, Kol Beis Yisrael Hema. These bones, these are all the bones of the Jewish people. Hine Omrim, Yavshu Atzmosenu, they said, our bones are completely dried out. When the bones are dried out, there's nothing more you could, you could grow. Right, ve'avda sikvasenu nigzarnu lanu, and our, all of our hope is lost. It's been decreed against us. This is where we were holding, right? Lachain, therefore, hinave, prophesies ve'amarta lehem. Tell them, ko amar Hashem elokim. So says Hashem the Lord. Hine ani poseach es kivrosechem. Behold, I'm going to open up your graves. Ve'alesi eschem mikivrosechem ami. And I will raise you up from your graves, my nation, and bring you to the land of Israel. And you will know 
Befisri as Kivrosechem, you will know that I am God when I open up your graves, ami, and when I take you up out of your graves, my people. Benosati Ruchi Vachem, I shall place my spirit within you, Vichyisem, and you will live. And I shall set you to rest upon your land. And you'll know that I, Hashem, have spoken and done. So says God. Okay. In some ways, I can see that the good intentions of the tribe of Ephraim is almost like those people who decide to freeze their bodies until the later days when they can. Do you know what I mean? The it's first cryogenics. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like It's like Hashem said, okay, we're going to put your life on hold That's here. That's exactly it. Okay, so first of all, number one, the long view here is really long. It's a thousand years later. And these people themselves, these bones are saying, there's nothing left for us. God decreed it, that's what it is, okay? And now we read this Nevoah of Yechezkel and we realize there is more than what we thought going on here. Now let's take a look in a Gemara in Sanhedrin. Savar la commanda Amar be'emes Marshal haya detanya Rabbi Eliezer Omer, okay. There's some discussion in this Gemara what is, what is the deal with this prophecy of Yechezkel? Is it a vision that represents the Jewish people being revived in the future, or is this something that happened? Meaning, is the prophecy what Hashem told him to say to the bones, but the bones thing happened? Okay. Or is, the, is it a prophecy sort of within a prophecy, within a vision, but it's a prophecy applying to the Jewish people mm-hmm. who are in oh, Galus, right. and their bones are dry sort of metaphorically, And Hashem is saying, don't worry, Jewish people, you will rise again as a people. Okay. Which is, I think, what we always thought that was. That's what I was thinking. Mason, okay, so there's two bits here from this Gemara that I'm really pulling out. The first is this. Mason shehechya yechezkel amdu al raglehem ve'amru shira. That the dead that Yechezkel revived stood on their feet, that was in the Pasuk, ve'amru shira, and they said a shira. Mm -hmm. Remember what we said a shira is. What was the shira? Mashira uh, Amru. And it says here, this Gemara says they said a Shira and then they died again. That's this, okay? What Shira did they say? Hashem Memis, Betzedek, Umechaye, Berachamim. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Shira Zo Amru, Hashem Memis, Umechaye, Morit Sha'ol Vayal. Rabbi Yoshua says this is the Shira they sang. It's a Pasuk that's actually from the song of Chana, Shira's Chana. Hashem Memis, Umechaye, God kills, but God gives life. God brings down into the grave and God raises up. Because that verse is, seems backwards, right? It should be God makes people live and makes them die, right? But it's the opposite. It's God makes die and then live. So it's talking about revival of the dead. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm skipping down. Okay. Rabbi Eliezer, Benosha, Rabbi Yossi, Aglili, Omer, Mesim Shehechia. It's the next bold, the beginning of the bold set. Mesim Shehechia Yechezkel. The dead people that Yechezkel revived, Alu Eretz Yisrael, went up to the land of Israel, v'nosu noshim, and they married women, v'holidu vonimu vanos, and gave birth to children. And after he said this, Amad Ravi Yehuda ben Becerra, 
After Rabio, the son of Rabbi Yossi Aglili said this, he said, no, you know what happened to the Bnei Ephraim? They were dead for a thousand years. Yechezkel brought them to life, and God promised he would bring them to the land, and he did. And they lived whole lives there. Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra, Ahmad al-Raglav, stood up on his feet. You hear the pattern, right? Like the, the dead of Yechezkel stood on their feet. Okay, he stood on his feet, the Amar, and he said, Ani mi bnei b'neihem. I am descended from the Bnei Ephraim. <laughs> Vehalalu, these tefillin shehiniach li avi abba mehem. These tefillin I wear, these are an inheritance my father gave me that he inherited. They've been handed down in my family since the revival of the dead of the Bnei Ephraim. Who were those people? I am descended from the dead that Yechezkel brought to life. These are the Bnei Ephraim who counted when to leave the land of Ephraim and were mistaken. Now, I want to point out that even going back to the first Medrash, the mushal of the king who married the wife, right, the fact that it ends with God saying, I will not be comforted until I avenge the death of the Bnei Ephraim, all of that is very loving. Already from the beginning, when we learn about what happened to the Bnei Ephraim, it isn't vengeful, it's loving. Which means that what we looked at and we said, here's this Holocaust, and it was. Hundreds of thousands of people dead and left to rot in the desert. And there's love there? It was hard to know what to make of that. What do you take away? How can you even accept a message of love in such a, a bloody situation? And then we find out that Hashem brought them back. And then we find out that not only did he bring them back, they raised families. They planted vineyards. They built homes. They wrote tefillin. Okay. So now you say, what do you mean they wrote tefillin? Who, like, it's, it's beautiful, right? He can point to what he's wearing and saying, this is my inheritance. But I want to point something out to you that I think helps, gives us, I, I think, and this is not something I saw directly anywhere, but I think that the clue, there are enough clues here to point us to some of what went on with the children of Ephraim and what the issue was. When the Bnei Ephraim left Egypt, Moshe had not been there yet. It wasn't the worst, worst, worst part of the slavery yet, right? Because it kept getting worse and worse. And they did not go through the 10 plagues. And they didn't go through this. Look at this point number five. Vayomer Moshe el Ha'am. Okay, they're still in Egypt. Zachor es hayom hazeh asher yatasa me'eretz mitzrayim. Mitzrayim mi beis avodim. Remember the day, I'm not going to read the whole thing in Hebrew, but remember the day you left, that you're going to, this day, you're going to leave the land of Egypt. You're going to leave the house of slavery. With a mighty hand, Hashem is going to take you out of all this. Don't eat any chametz. On this day you came out, in the spring month, and it shall be when Hashem will bring you into the land of Israel that he promised to your forefathers. And you will do all of this avoda of Pesach in Israel. 
For seven days you'll eat matzahs, and the seventh day will be a yantif. You won't have any chametz, and you will tell your children on that day, it's because of this Hashem took me out of Egypt. And it will be a sign on your hands. It will be a memory between your eyes. That's tefillin, right? To remember that Hashem's, and that in order that Hashem's Torah will be in your mouth, that with a mighty hand God took you out of Egypt, and you shall keep these laws each in their right time. And when Hashem will bring you into the land of the Canaan, in which he has promised to you and your forefathers, and he gives it to you, then you will bring the firstborn of the, of the animals for Hashem. And that will remind you. And the firstborn of the chamor, of the donkeys, you will redeem. And that will remind you. And the firstborn of people you will have to redeem. And that will remind you. And when your child will ask you in the future and say, what is all this? You will say to him with a mighty hand, God took us out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. In other words, there was a purpose to all the pain and suffering in Egypt. And there was a purpose to being redeemed. Now, there was a purpose within us. I don't think we're going to get to that today, as I said. But let's look at this particular expressed purpose. There is a purpose, which is that you will be able to get all these different mitzvos that you can point to, the mitzvah of Pesach, the mitzvah of Tefillin, the mitzvah of Mezuzah, the, the Kiddush, anything, everything, a Zecher Liyetzias Mitzrayim, that you will tell your children, God took us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The children of Ephraim missed all that. They left early. They missed the ten plagues. They missed the splitting of the Red Sea. They missed Matan Torah. They missed everything. Now, at Matan Torah, right, you've heard this, Medrash? Hashem said, I want you to accept the Torah. Do you want to accept the Torah? And we said, Nasa Vinishma. Yes, whatever it is, we'll do it. And then Hashem says, if you don't accept the Torah, you're going to die here. Shamtik Vurashem, right? He held it over their head like a barrel held a mountain over their head like a barrel and said, if you don't accept the Torah, here's going to be your, your graves. We just said we would accept the Torah. Why are you telling us this, right? And we know that's because they also had to accept Torah Shabbat Peh. What does that mean? Accepting a Masorah, a process of passing down from parents to children, from teachers to students. That's Pesach. That's Vihigata Tolovincha, right? That's passing down the Masorah. Why? Because if you don't accept passing down a Masorah, you're going to die here in the desert. This is your grave. What does that mean? It doesn't mean God's threatening to wipe them out there, theoretically, necessarily. We already said Nasa Vanishma. God is saying you'll never leave here. There's no generation beyond you. If you don't hand it down, there's no generation beyond you. And you know what? That Sham Tehei that was just a statement of fact. This will be your grave. And you know what? For the children of Ephraim, it was, because they didn't accept the Torah, because they weren't there. They had left already. And there was their grave, there in the desert. My pages are like not as I expect them. Okay. So what happens to them? The B'nai Ephraim lie there for a thousand years. They they miss the tefillin. They miss the Rosh Chodesh mitzvahs, right? They miss Shabbos. They miss the Yamsuf. They miss Zekeli Ve'an Vehu. They miss that whole process of seeing that there was a purpose to their gullus. They miss the Shira. And then it's the days of Yechezkel, which means it's the generation of Esther and Mordechai, which is the generation of Kimu Vekivlu HaYehudim. 
that the Jews accepted the Torah again, and specifically the Oral Torah, specifically Mesorah. The Kimu Vikiblu, right? The, the, the Kabbalah Torah of Purim is the Kabbalah Torah of Torah Shabbat Peh, of passing down a Mesorah. And the Bnei Ephraim are brought back in time for that. There's another Matan Torah. It's just a really long time from now. And when it was time for another Matan Torah, they rose up. And Umdu al-Raglehim, they got on their feet and they sang a Shira. It was a second chance. They get a second chance. They come back in time for that message, that message of you got to hand it down to your children. You have to see that Hashem saved you. And you know what? Like Rav Hutner told us, you can have Anochi Hashem Elokecha Asher Hotzeisicha Me'eretz Mitzrayim. You can also have Anochi Hastir Astir Panai. You can see God's hand in the revelation of taking us out of Egypt, and you can see God's hand in the hiddenness of the miracles of Purim. So they didn't see God's hand in the taking them out of Egypt. They did see God's hand in, in the miracles of Purim. That's where they got to see it. And they were able to stand on their feet and sing Shira from that that they saw. And then they went back to Eretz Yisrael. So the significance, Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra points to his tefillin. What do you mean you got tefillin from your, your ancestors, the Bnei Ephraim? How could you get tefillin from Bnei Ephraim? They left before the mitzvah of tefillin. Mitzvah of tefillin was given before we left Egypt. It's like basically part of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. How'd they get it? They got it because they stood up and they accepted Torah Shabbat Peh and Torah Shabbat So they become part of the Masora again. They, they put themselves back into the Masora. So that's so significant that that's what they hand down to their descendants. Not just that they have descendants. It, that, the whole point is that they had Banim Ubanos, that they have children and they will pass it on to them. They become part of Kala Yisrael because that's what it means to be part of Kala Yisrael. That's what it means to go out of Egypt and that's what it means to accept the Torah. And that's what they got to do. It's a very happy ending. But it's a hard road to get there. They had a very, very hard road. They missed out a lot of good stuff. They missed the whole first base of Mikdash. You know what they missed? They missed the entire era of the prophecies of leadership by a Navi. They missed Moshe. They missed Aaron. They missed Miriam. I mean, those people were alive, but they weren't like, right, like the the big action in the Midbar. They missed the revelation of Har Sinai. They missed the revelation at the Yamsuf. They missed the Shekhinah's presence in the first base HaMikdash. They left under their own steam. They lived in accordance with it's going to be by natural means. They, they trusted in God. It's not that they didn't trust in God. But they left figuring it's got to be our own effort. And so they missed the entire era of God's revealed hand where it's clearly nothing to do with our effort. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that has something to do with our efforts? No. It give, there's opportunity. Again, it's not our topic for today. There's opportunity for us to take actions and to do things that change us. It's not that we are victims even of God's kindness. Okay? But the success, the, fat, the, the enablements, the whole era of God revealing himself publicly into the world, they miss it. They slept through it, basically. They could, that, was, that had to do with the choices they made. They're going to leave Mitzrayim in a way where you can't see God's hand taking them out, except in a hidden way. So they come back for the Matan Torah that's in the time of Aster Aster Panai, and they miss the other era in between. And yet, through that, they were still able to sing a shira. And I wanted to just like point out what would have happened if God hadn't wiped them out by the plishtim? They would have gone into the land of Israel. 
and they would have settled down, and they would have disappeared into the Canaanites. For sure. Canaanim. But they would have disappeared. They had no Torah. They oh, had no Masora. They I had what I would have happened they, to the if, if they they left, but they weren't killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If the Bnei Ephraim had been able had not been killed by the Plishtim at the gates of Israel, they would have gone in and they would have settled down and they would have become part of the people right. there because they didn't have anything holding them together as a people. They weren't they there for the birth of the people. They the whole thing, they missed it. So what's kinder for them? To let them go in, or, as you said, freeze them, put them right. on, on hold, and bring them back a thousand years later, where they become part of a Jewish people, and you get a Rabbi Yehuda ben Becerra out of this, amongst apparent, probably thousands and thousands of other descendants, right? You get an entire... I wonder a little bit if that's part of what's being hinted to here, by the way. It says, right here there's the verse, and I don't know why it would be here, Vayikach Moshe et atzmos Yosef imo. Moshe took the bones of Joseph with him because Yosef had made the Jewish people swear, Hashem is going to redeem you in the future. Bring my bones up with you. This is his children's bones. Ephraim is the son of Yosef. I wonder a little bit if that's part of what's being hinted here. Please bring my bones in with and you. That was including... That was prophetic. Well, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So I want to share with you, I put in here a little excerpt. This is um, from a letter of consolation of Rav Yonis and Irish. It's all the way on the back to his sister-in-law. I, I think it might be when his own brother died. Like that it was her husband. It seems like it was her husband. I don't know. It could be it was his wife's sister. And he says, He says, don't, like, you realize, don't you, that Hashem... Hashem is much greater than a person, and Hashem's pain is much greater than people. God can tolerate, not tolerate, God bears more pain than we do. He's more rachmanas than we do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, especially if we're talking about widows and orphans, they haven't sinned. What did they do wrong? HaKadosh Baruch Hu mitztarol ovidavodazaru megadev Hashem shenisaka bebezin. He says Hashem even suffers when a person does avodazara or curses God, and then is high of misa in the bezin, and then hung. Okay? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Omer, Kalini Miroshi. Gemara says, you know what Hashem says when somebody dies, the death penalty that he deserved? Oh, my head. That's what Hashem says. It hurts. He says, so when a person who's basically innocent has suffering for some other reason, don't you think Hashem suffers even more? Commotion Amar, Tsar. In all of your tsaros, Hashem has tsar. That's very comforting to realize, by the way. Whenever we are suffering, Hashem is in there with us. Hashem is also not like a person in the sense that with people, sometimes we can't change our pain. Sometimes it's out of our hands. There's nothing we could do. But that's not Hashem. He could change anything. He doesn't, if God is suffering, He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do it that way. So then it's easy to realize that if, that if it weren't for the fact that God knew that this was the bigger, better, most complete chesed and tova, he would never bring us such suffering. 
Ella, Humatsa Shizos Mevi Raklatova. It's that he knows this brings only to good. And we've talked about what is good. Good is the way it's meant to be for the long term. That's glory to Hashem. Gamim Zebobli Suffolk Biasurim Gedolim, even if it's going to have to come through very great suffering. Okay. So. In this world, the Gemara tells us, this world is not really like the future world. Because in this world, when we hear something good, we say, Baruch HaTov HaMetiv. Hashem is good and does good. Good, good. Tov, Tov, HaTov HaMetiv. And on hard news, Besuros Rose, bad news, we say, Baruch Dayan HaMes. God is a fair judge. He does what's, what's right. Le'olam Haba, in the future, when we can see and understand everything that has happened from the longest term view, Olam Haba means that all of history has already happened. We happen to live in a time when most of history has happened. We can look back and see the B'nai Ephraim at least up for a thousand years and see that there was a bigger picture all along. But at the time of Olam Haba, we can see all of human history as a big picture. Kulo Hatova HaMetiv. And we will only say Hatova HaMetiv. We'll never say Baruch Dayan HaMS. Why? Not because God wasn't fair. He was. But something even more than that. God is perfectly fair, and it's all chesed. It's all tov and metiv. What we see as din, it is din. But we should understand that din comes out from chesed. Din is an expression of chesed. The case of the B'nai Ephraim gives us a chance to see it in action. For us, for a thousand years it didn't just about half of Jewish history, you couldn't see that it was chesed in action behind that din. But for us, we could see it. And what that means is we can remember that. We can use something we have seen, and like the moon, shine the light of the sun where it doesn't reach. So when we're in a dark place, we can say, there was a case of the B'nai Ephraim, I remember that. That means that what I'm seeing here in this situation, in this environment, whatever it is I'm, I'm in, it might look like din, and it might be din, and I might say dayan ha'emes, but I can know that there is chesed behind that, and I can rejoice in it. And if I only had all the information, I would choose this too. I don't have all the information, but if I had it, I would choose this, which is why, let's say like this, if I can find where I put it. Which is why the long view and getting to Hatova Hametiv leads to Shira, joy, and song, which leads to Kabbalah Smalcha Shemayim. It was true in the desert. We cross the Red Sea, and then we have Matan Torah, which is the Kabbalah Smalchus willingly. It's true in our own lives. Let's say that I knew. Let's say I have suffering, and let's say I knew that in my suffering, really, I was getting a kapara. And that because of it, I was going to have a zechus to have, let's say I, I was not, I was sick, and because of this zechus, I'll have a longer life, right? I'll be able to do more. Or I'll be able to go to Olam Haba with a better situation. Or I'll have a zechus in my children or my grandchildren that they'll have things better. Wouldn't I feel it's worth it? Not only that, I would rejoice. The problem is that in this world, I don't see those outcomes. I see the suffering, 
But I don't see what the purpose is in the suffering easily. Right? But if I would see it, I would rejoice and be grateful for it. And I would say, Hashem, whenever I can't see what it's meant to be, I want you to drive. Because you can see where we're going, and I can't see where we're going. This is really a part of the avoda of Pesach. I think it's like a little aspect we can tap into when we're trying to see ourselves as if we came out of Mitzrayim. I think it's an aspect of it we can, we can touch into. Maybe not, maybe it's hard to feel we were in the Egypt of the slavery of then. Maybe. But certainly we can look and see what suffering we have and try and align ourselves in that way with what happened in Egypt too. And say, the suffering that I have, there's a purpose to this, and it's changing me, and somehow I'm going to be different, and I'm going to have a choice. Uh, I'll just remind you, without going into the topic, because now we're going to be over time. We learned on Purim that the Maharal says that the purpose of Geula is that Hash- people should know that Hashem does Tov and Chesed. Right? That's the praising Him. The purpose of Galus is also that we should know that Hashem does Tov and Chesed for us. It's just that the avoda of Geula is singing it with joy, and the avoda of it in Galus might be having to trust in it mm-hmm. and, and allow myself to be guided by that knowledge even though I'm not feeling it and seeing it. Right? That's Lahagid Baboker Chazdecha, to tell everyone of God's Chesed by day and trust in him and lean on him in the dark. Our lives are under Hashkacha. Our lives are under Hashem's control. And that is an amazing and wondrous place to be, even when it hurts. God's hand can be very tight on us. We heard that idea with Ozer Yisrael Bigvura. Do you remember that? God tying us on really tight, like a belt that's on. It's really tight sometimes. A seatbelt is also really tight sometimes. But you know when a seatbelt is tightest? If there's a crash. Mm-hmm. Nowadays. I couldn't have said this 20 years ago. But now there's pretensioners. Mm-hmm. The car has sensors that can sense faster than you can feel it that it's, something has gone wrong. And it pulls the seatbelts in tighter. I felt it happen. It pulls in. It may be uncomfortable. It might even cause bruises. But there's nowhere you'd rather be in a crash. Mm-hmm. Okay? God's hand can hold us very, very tightly but it's the best place to be. And that, I think, is the story of the Shira of the B'nai Ephraim and the lost Pesach of the B'nai Ephraim. Thank you. Awesome Thank you. and wondrous stuff. Yeah. Glad you could be here. Have a great Pesach. You Hope to meet you in Eretz Yisrael before it's over. Yes. Why is, does it sound like there's a dentist here? Why? Doesn't it? Maybe someone's got a mobile dentist here. Why? There's a, there's Did you hear that? It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a dentist? Okay.